One of the greatest lies that the enemy tries to get us to believe is that our ordinary, everyday faithfulness and obedience are not enough to bring about significant kingdom impact. The modern-day apostle Matthew Blake Nelson once said that. Thank you for those words. The mystery of God's presence is at work right now in your life, where you sit, where you sleep where you do the laundry, where you work. I love what the Bible teaches us in Jeremiah 6. It says this, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no. It's not the road we want. Our prayer needs to be, God, teach me the old godly way. Stop. We're not good at this. (laughs) I'm not good at this. What does it look like for you and I to pause, to look, to ask, to walk in those rhythms and practices? And here's the very thing that we're all longing for, that the promise that Jeremiah gives us is that you will find rest for your souls. We all long for that. But here's the reality of our lives is we tend to want a Christian life with the dull bits cut out. (laughs) We want this edgy faith. Yet God invites us to spend our days in rest and work and play, taking care of our bodies, taking care of our families, taking care of our neighborhoods and our neighbors, taking care of our homes. What if all these boring parts actually matter to God? What does that look like? Alfred Hitchcock said this about movies. He said, movies are life with the dull bits cut out. (laughs) Yet we crave that kind of life. That's the kind of life we're looking for. Why? Because it's the kind of life that we see over and over on our televisions and on the screens that we go and see. Car chases, first kisses, interesting plot lines, and good conversations. We don't want to watch our lead character going on a walk or brushing their teeth or stuck in traffic, at least not for long. And we definitely don't want to watch it without a good soundtrack. Are you with me? Every one of us long for this deep, longing to belong to something that is larger and bigger than ourselves. Belonging is the natural state of the earth. It's the natural state of all of us, of the planet. We craft these identities and we cling to them, grasping for the sense of security that they give us. These identities sometimes are who we are and sometimes they just simply are not who we are. But the Bible teaches us that humans We're given the Imago Dei of God. The Imago Dei is our calling. It is our purpose given to us by God. You and I are God's image bearers unto the earth. We're the only only, uh, living creature on the planet that are the image bearers of God. We are the Imago Dei. The Bible teaches us in Genesis this. In Genesis 1, it says, And God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, 
so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. That's you and I. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. When God looks at you and me, he sees himself We are his likeness. What God longs for from you and I is to see his reflection in us. Timothy Keller said this, this is the great challenge. To maintain passion for the everyday routine, an endlessly repeated act, to to derive deep gratification from the mundane. How do we flip the script? To remind myself that everything that I'm doing today actually matters for all of eternity? What if days pass in ways that feel small and insignificant to us are actually weighty with meaning and part of the abundant life that God has specifically for you and me? (laughs) The kind of spiritual life and disciplines needed to sustain the Christian life are not sexy at all. What are they? Quietness. Repetitiveness, monotony. God, I, I got to do this again tomorrow? Yeah, if you want to look more like me, I invite you into that. I have been fascinated with Colorado for many, many years. And I would go and I would enjoy the mountains. And every now and then I would come along a, a stream and I would watch these people fishing in uh, the river and they had these long lines that they were throwing with such like cool technique and I was just fascinated by it. And and I would think, man, I I really wanna do that. And for years I I watched this, but I, I just never engaged it. And then about 14 years ago, Pastor Matt invited me to go fly fishing for the very first time. And so we get suited up and put on our waders and our boots and we go trekking across this field and find our way through this herd of cattle. And we get to the river and we start fly fishing. And I'm like, this kind of stinks. I don't really like this. And it's not Pastor Matt. It's just boring. I mean, we're not really catching anything. And and what I didn't tell Pastor Matt is I came prepared like with a book just in case I got bored. I brought snacks. I had my backpack and I was ready. And I sat down and I began to read. and, And I'm sure Pastor Matt loved this when he looked over and he saw me reading my book after we had been there for, you know, maybe 20 minutes or so. And I just didn't enjoy it. But here's what's happened over the last 14 years is I actually enjoy fly fishing now. In fact, every year we go to staff retreat down in Broken Bow and and we hire a a fishing guide to go with us. And and last year we caught a whole whopping four fish with a guide. Like it, it was amazing. And I had a good time. This year we go back and, and, and we get a, a different guide and, and, and this is not typical. We, we caught 71 fish this past week. In fact, I caught the largest trout I'd ever caught. Check this out. Look, look at, and if you look a little closer, uh, look at the death grip I have on that thing. 
Like, it, it's not getting away. Like, I, I got it. I'm sure that trout is swimming in the river this morning going, man, that kind of hurt. But I've learned to embrace the typical ordinary day in order for God to use me in significant ways. I, I want you to catch this this morning. Listen to this. Joy and bliss make up approximately 5% of your life. That's it. With terror and pain uh, accumulating for approximately another 5%. It's the same thing with fly fishing. Joy and bliss make up about 5% of fly fishing. You will spend the remaining 90% of your life simply living, doing your job, relating to your family and friends, the ordinary task of life. Welcome to life. The beauty of the mundane. Mundane is the way. It's the path that we all want to avoid. Most of our life is mundane. Christ's disciples did not live on this perpetually spiritual high. This wasn't Jesus's path when he walked the earth. And if you and I want to glorify God, we must learn to do it in the mundane, ordinary parts of our life. Yes, you will enjoy deep, intimate times of fellowship with Jesus and experience joy introducing others to Christ. And we're here to bring Jesus into the tedium of life, but the authenticity of your faith will be seen in the parts Jesus plays in the mundane, ordinary parts of your life. I often want to skip the boring, just like you. Why? Because I want to live this edgy, accelerated faith. But it's in the dailiness of the Christian faith, the making the bed, the washing the dishes, brushing your teeth, pulling the weeds in the flower bed, praying for our enemies, reading the Bible, the quiet, the small, that God's transformation takes root and grows in my life. And I have to learn with my, I have to live with my eyes wide open to God's presence in the ordinary day to train myself in this tiny way. Do you remember the last time that you lost your keys? Isn't that a great feeling? Like we, we go through this whole process and stage one is logic, right? We retrace our steps of like, okay, think about every place that you've been in this house. Every place. Like, like for my boys, it's their stinking water bottle. Like I, I, our water bottles have like wheels on them or something at the house. They, they just move. Where were you last? Were you outside? Were you in the trunk of the car? I, I don't know. <laughs> and then we move into stage two, which is this self-condemnation of like, we begin to say, you're such an idiot. I can't believe that you lost your keys. What is wrong with you? And we just beat ourselves up, right? Then we move into this vexation period of every second passes, the angrier I get. You know what I'm talking about? And I begin to blame, but the blame begins to go back and forth of like me and my kids and my wife. If, if she hadn't moved my stuff, if those kids wouldn't have just messed with my stuff. Then we move into stage four of this desperation, looking in places that just don't make sense. <laughs> Why are you in the bottom of the freezer looking for your keys? What are you, what are you doing in the trunk of the car? In the bottom of the pantry. I mean, like, we're everywhere. We're on the roof. I don't know where my keys are. I'm lifting up the couch. 
Stage five is this last ditch effort and I stop and I actually pray. <laughs> God, would you mind, do you even care about my keys? If you do, would you mind helping me actually find them? Stage six is despair as I just, I give up and I plop down on the couch and I begin to think, I'm never gonna leave this house. I'm here forever. I don't know when my wife's coming home, but I'm gonna be here till then. Stupid keys, stupid me, stupid planet, stupid universe. You've been there. Don't act like you haven't said those things. And then here's what happens is I feel a bit ashamed and guilty, and I begin to repeat that process. And in seven minutes, I've found my keys underneath the couch. And here's the reality of this. It's been 15 minutes total time of my life that all those emotions have happened. But here's the reality of this is God searches more earnestly for me than I do for my keys. He is zealous for his people to make them whole. This is where we find ourselves in a typical ordinary day and our petty anger and irritation is where the Savior begins to meet you and I. These moments are an opportunity for formation and sanctification in our lives. Underneath these overreactions and aggravations lie true fears down deep within each and every one of us. You see, my lost keys reveal an anxiety in me that I'm not going to be able to take care of myself and the people that I'm responsible for, those around me. They hit on the fear of failure and incompetency. My broken dishwasher uncovers my worries about money. Am I actually gonna have enough money to repair it? It exposes my idolatry of ease, my false hope and comfort and convenience, and I just want things to run smoothly. You know what I'm talking about? You see, my lost keys provide a moment of revelation, revealing the lostness inside of me and my misplaced reliance upon myself. When the day is lovely and sunny and everything is going to according to plan, I can look like a really good person, right? But little things gone wrong and interrupted, plans who reveal who I really am, my cracks show and I see that I am in profoundly in need of grace. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians to be content in all circumstances. For Paul, that meant finding contentment in shipwrecks and beatings and persecution. But this call to contentment is a call amidst the concrete circumstances that I find myself in today. I need to find joy and reject the despair in the moment I'm in, in the midst of the small pressures and the needling anxieties of life. You see, we've developed habits of ignoring God in the midst of the daily grind. God is continually forming you and I into a new people. And that place of formation is in the small, mundane moments of today. I love what Annie Dillard says. She said, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. We move in patterns that are set over time, day by day. These habits and practices, they shape our lives and our desires and ultimately who we are and what we worship. 
I put some questions for us on the screen this morning of this is, why is the mundane so hard to embrace? Why is the mundane so hard to embrace? Why is it so difficult? What does God want to teach me through the mundane? That's the question that I should be asking in the midst of the monotony. How do I embrace the daily grind of the mundane? What I in my weakness see as another monotonous day, God has given you and I as a singular gift. With every new day, this is the turn that my heart needs to make. I'm living this life, this life right in front of me right now, the one where marriages struggle, the one where we aren't living as we thought we would be or we hoped we would be, the one where we are weary, the one where we want to make a difference, but we just simply aren't sure where to even begin or where to start where we have to get dinner on the table and the kid's teeth brushed, where we have back pain and boring weeks, where our lives look so small, where we doubt, where we wrestle with meaningless, and when we worry about those that we love, where we struggle to meet our neighbors and love those closest to us, where we grieve and where we wait. You see, on this particular day, Jesus knows me and he declares me his own, his imago day. You are his image bearer to the earth. On this day, he's redeeming the world. He's advancing his kingdom, and he's calling you and I to repent and grow, teaching his church to worship, drawing near to us, and making a people all his own. And we must accept the circumstances we constantly find ourselves in as the place of God's kingdom and blessing. It's difficult. God has yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. Catch that for a moment. Today is the proving ground of what I believe of whom I worship. Psalm 73 says this, but as for me, How good is it to be near God? I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Where do you find God at work? In your everyday, ordinary, mundane life. Are we even looking for him? You see, how I spend this ordinary mundane day in Christ is how I will spend my entire Christian life. I I love the morning office prayer. It it has in the book, it says this prayer, it says, open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall declare your praise. In every moment in my daily life, when the dishes are full in the sink, when the children ask the same questions, again and again and again, and they want the same stories again and again and again. And we have the long doldrums of the afternoon. These things are filled with repetition. You see, much of our Christian life is returning over and over again, the same work and the same habits of worship. We must contend with the same spiritual struggles again and again. The work of repentance and faith is daily repetitive. Rod Dreyer says this, he says, everydayness is my problem. It's easy to think about what you would do in wartime or if a hurricane blows through 
or if you spent a month in Paris, or if your guy or gal wins the election, or if you won the lottery or brought that thing or bought that thing you really wanted. It's a lot more difficult to figure out how you're going to get through today without despair. Paul said this in Philippians 2, that we are to do all things without grumbling or disputing. It's not enough to merely want to be more content or tell myself, hey, just cheer up. It's going to be okay. I need to cultivate the practice of meeting Christ in these small moments of grief and frustration or encountering Christ's death and resurrection. This big story of brokenness and redemption in this small, gray, stir-crazy Tuesday morning of life. Otherwise, I will spend my life imagining and hoping and preaching and teaching about how to share in the sufferings and persecution, momentous suffering and death, while I spend my actual days grumbling and discontentment and low-grade despair. Repentance and faith are the constant. Daily rhythms of the Christian life are breathing in and breathing out. I need to develop the habit of admitting the truth of who I am. Not just running to justify myself or minimize my sins. I need to form the habit of letting God love me, trusting again in his mercy and receiving again his words of forgiveness and absolution over me. Repentance doesn't need to be a moment wrought in high drama. It's not what it looks like. See, it's the steady drumbeat of a life in Christ, therefore a day in Christ. Confession reminds us that none of us gather for worship because we are pretty good people. <laughs> we are people marked by grace in spite of ourselves because of the work of Christ. Our practice of confession reminds us that failure in the Christian life is the norm. Left on our own, we deserve God's condemnation, and we are not Yet we are not left on our own. Let's look at Psalm 17. He says this, Arise, O Lord, stand against them, bring them to their knees, rescue me from the wicked with your sword, by the power of your hand, O Lord, destroy those who look to this world for their reward, but satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. Listen to this. May their children have plenty. This is God's promise to you, leaving an inheritance for the descendants. All the worry and toil that we put around our kids and our family, ultimately, we've got to trust God that he's going to take care of them. It's our, his promise to us right here. Because I am righteous, I will see you. When I awake, I will see you face to face and be satisfied. How much sadness would evaporate if every person simply chose to believe this. I was made for God's glory and I am his image bearer unto the earth. My works and worship don't earn a thing. Instead, they flow from God's love and gift and work on my behalf. I am not prim primarily defined by my abilities or my marital status or how I vote or my successes or failures or fame or obscurity, but as one who is sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit, hidden in Christ and beloved by my Father. Could it be that we're actually missing 90% of our life? because we're looking for the 5% of joy and bliss. 
Could it be? Could it be that God does his greatest work in the mundane of my everyday life where habits are formed, where spiritual growth is deepened and, and, and growth happens, where relationships are built and restored? I, I, I think this is what the path looks like. Is this first place is, is just acceptance. This is my life. It's okay. This is exactly where God has me right now. And I'm okay with it. I'm gonna embrace it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the 5% moments of beauty and bliss. God, thank you for that. God, help me to accept that, to walk in that. The second thing is this, is making a commitment to celebrate the ordinary. <laughs> what, what would that look like? The everyday struggle. What does it look like for us to actually flip the script? God, thank you for these 18 piles of laundry. Thank you that the dishes and the, the sink is just overflowing with dishes. God, I'm so grateful for that. Fixing another meal, changing another blowout for my child, raising kids, cleaning, going to work. The unseen necessary task of life. What does it look like to meet God in those moments? Here, here's the other thing is in inviting others into the mundane. Hey, you wanna sign up to be a part of my boring everyday life? Actually, I do. Because I need somebody like you. I need somebody like you to walk with. I need somebody like you to invite me in, to welcome me into your life, just to love me right where I am. That's where the real beauty happens, where we learn to embrace the monotony, the boredom, where we learn to squash the highlight reel. It's just not real. It's life with the dull bits cut out. Look for joy in the monotony of today, the everyday task. We have to remember what Jeremiah teaches us. This is what the Lord says. Stop. Stop at the crossroads. Look around. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Let's make that our prayer today. God, teach me. Invite me in, help me to embrace the old godly way. God, help me to walk in that, the beauty of the ordinary Monday task of life. Not to dread it, but to step into it, to welcome that. I invite you to stand with me this morning. Father, thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your word 
and your truth that you've given us, God, all throughout scripture. God, help us to embrace the ordinary, the mundane task of this life. It's a day that God, you set up and you orchestrated just for us to lean in, to be formed, to be shaped, to grow deep in the practices and rhythms, the disciplines of the cross. God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you for the old ancient path. God, we welcome it. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name.